the Old Testament reading is also going to be our sermon text for today. So you can turn, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis 43. It's also on the back of the sermon insert, if you have good eyes. Genesis 43. So these longer passages are harder to fit on the sermon insert. Genesis 43. I'll be reading the whole chapter. Really, it would be best to probably cover chapters 43 through 45 as one piece because this is, it's not, the story's not really done until you get there, but that would, that would be, this is enough for us to cover today. So let's pay careful attention uh, to Genesis 43, starting in verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to them, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why do you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we had not delayed, we would now have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm, And a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. They arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid, because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, It is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in, so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we have brought it again with us. And we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. 
He replied, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkey's fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the presents that they had with him and bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. O Lord, our God, we give thanks to you for your mercy and grace and for giving us your word to instruct us, to train us, uh, to turn us from evil to teach us about you, and to teach us to know you. We pray that you would bless your word in this way, that we might um, be convicted and comforted and built up unto holiness. We pray that the preaching would be true to your word, and that we would receive this word with our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joseph was in Egypt. A famine was upon the land. A couple years into it, the brothers had already been down there once before. Joseph had recognized them. They had not recognized him. In fact, throughout this chapter, they call him simply the man, the man down there in Egypt. And uh, Joseph had seen their, well, he'd begun to test them. He didn't reveal himself to them, so he could test them. He was in a unique position. And he had seen their confession of sin to one another, their sorrow for their sin, their sense of guilt for their sin, that they had done wrong to their brother Joseph and saw their present difficulties as as God judging them for their sins, that they were humbling themselves and had had sorrow for sin. Uh, But he had not yet revealed himself to them. He wanted to test them, particularly through Benjamin. Of course, he also probably wanted to see Benjamin and uh, therefore asked that they would bring Benjamin to them to test to see if they were honest men or whether they were spies. And I mentioned last time there's a little double meaning to whether they are honest men. In their thinking, he was testing to see if they were spies or not. But uh, in Joseph's thinking, he was testing to see if 
they in, had in fact changed since the 22 years or so years earlier when they had thrown him into the pit, stripped him of his robe, and then sold him into slavery in Egypt. Well, in this chapter, we find that the brothers return, that they uh, come back to Egypt. They come back for their brother Simeon. They come back for more grain because the famine has continued. Joseph knows that it's going to be seven years of famine total. I don't know that the people in Canaan necessarily knew that, but they knew that they needed food and that they needed to bring Benjamin to get grain from the man. But as we find in this passage, I think we find kind of two things throughout it, that there's uh, both uh, the mercy of God, there's compassion, there's forgiveness, there's generosity, and on the brother's side, they do demonstrate change, that their actions are contrary to their previous behavior. And the message for us, I think, in this chapter as well, for you and me, is to bear fruit in keeping with repentance, uh, looking to the mercy of God. Uh, That's having sorrowed for your sins, seeing that they are sins, in fact, that you are guilty before God to, to turn from them unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. This chapter contains three references to the blessing of God. First, their father Israel invokes the mercy of God Almighty. May you find mercy from God Almighty in the man. Then the steward, Joseph's steward, says that the treasure in the sacks came from their God, the God of their father, the God of Israel, not an Egyptian God. Your God had put this treasure in the sacks. And then Joseph himself invoked God's grace upon Benjamin. May God be gracious to you, my son. Uh, As the brothers repented. They were also being taught to depend upon God's mercy. We can divide this chapter up into three sections. First, we find Israel and his sons, particularly Judah, their conversation in Canaan. And then the brothers and Joseph's steward as they meet at Joseph's house. And then the brothers and Joseph himself as they sit down to eat. So first, let's look at Judah and Israel, or Israel and his sons. Judah took responsibility for his brother's safety. This is how he was acting differently than he had acted before. Judah succeeded in convincing his father Israel to let Benjamin come along with them because he pledged himself for Benjamin's safety. I'll be responsible for his safety. If he doesn't come back to you, hold me responsible. It will be my fault if Benjamin does not come back to you. If Benjamin was killed or was missing, Judah would accept the responsibility. He would accept the guilt. He would accept any punishment that was due him. Now, this was in contrast to his and his brother's previous actions. They formerly had acted like Cain, It's amazing how much the themes of brotherhood, of good sibling relationships and bad sibling relationships, stretches out throughout the book of Genesis. Back all the way in chapter 4, we had Cain and Abel, and Cain had envied his brother. He had disowned responsibility for his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? He had killed his brother, in fact. Well, formerly, Judah and his brothers had been acting much like Cain. They had envied their brother, Joseph. They had committed violence against their brother because of this envy. They had disowned responsibility for their brother. See, wild animals must have torn at him, and and that must be how he died. Totally not our fault. 
were they their brother's keeper? But in this case, Judah volunteered himself as his brother's keeper. Judah was the opposite now of Cain. He would ensure his brother's safety. Even if he was torn by wild beasts, it would be Judah's fault. He would ensure his brother's safety and bring him back to their father. Judah was not envious of his father's affection for Benjamin. It was quite clear, just as Jacob or Israel had favored Joseph, that now he was favoring Benjamin. I mean, he showed this great concern for Benjamin. He didn't care if all the other brothers went back to Egypt, but he didn't want to lose Benjamin. So he still is favoring Benjamin, but Judah doesn't grow envious against Benjamin for this. He instead pledges himself to keep Benjamin safe. Israel obviously showed greater concern for Benjamin, but rather than seeking to destroy Benjamin, Judah sought to protect him. Also, we find that Judah is starting to move more and more to the forefront. We have seen a number of Israel's sons fall somewhat out of favor. Uh, Reuben, the oldest, had committed sexual immorality and adultery with one of, and incest with one of his father's concubines. And Simeon and Levi, the next oldest, had slaughtered the men of Shechem. Uh, but Judah was, was the next oldest, and now he moves more to the forefront. Reuben had tried to convince his father to let Benjamin come along with him. Remember, he said, oh, if, if Benjamin doesn't come back to you, you can kill two of my two sons. Uh, but that didn't work. It wasn't very convincing. Um, but now Judah uh, is, stands to the foremost, and he takes responsibility like an oldest son. He was looking to the good of the whole community, We, and you, and our little ones, we need this food to survive. And like a future leader would, he looked to their welfare. Remember also that God had been working on Judah over the years. He had been wandering far astray. Remember with the episode of him and Tamar, he had been acting not only like Cain, but more like a Canaanite. But then he was humbled when Tamar had convincingly showed him his guilt He had been convicted. He had confessed his guilt. And then when he and his brothers were on their first trip to Egypt, they had been convicted before God of their sin against Joseph. We see then here in this chapter the fruits of repentance, the ways of a changed man. His godly grief was working true repentance and producing change. So learn from this, first of all, that repentance includes a purpose, an endeavor after new obedience. It's not merely grief, although it does involve grief, grief and hatred towards that sin, but it leads to, godly grief leads to repentance, to a turning from that sin unto God with a purpose after new obedience, to endeavor after new obedience, and therefore it produces action. Repentance is an inner change that includes a resolve to do things differently. Good works, then, and a changed life are the fruits of true repentance. A life of repentance is what we are called to live, a life in which we more and more put off the ways of the old self and put on the ways of the new self. There's a decisive break of one's conversion, but then an ongoing growth of new life, which more and more emerges and is practiced. Learn more particularly here from Judah, to put away the old ways of envy, of malice, of bitterness, and disregard for others, and to put on instead kindness and compassion and patience and a love for one another. Depart from the ways of Cain, of hatred and envy and murder, and instead 
fill it with love for your brother. As 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Our brother is a very visible, tangible test of that new way of life. Do you love the brother you can see? It's a lot harder to fake than the love for the God whom you cannot see. Thirdly, remember that Judah would be the forefather of the Christ. Judah began to foreshadow his descendant, Jesus. Jesus would be the king of Israel, the firstborn and heir among God's people. He was not ashamed to call us brothers. Jesus took responsibility for us. He ensured our safety and deliverance. He was given us by the Father so that he would give us eternal life. Even at the price of his death, he would ensure our deliverance. Jesus would be the ultimate keeper of his brothers. In this passage, therefore, we find Judah demonstrating repentance, also beginning to foreshadow the Savior. Also, we find another person in the passage, too. We find Israel, uh, Jacob. Jacob's called by the name Israel in this chapter. Reminds us that we're talking not merely about some family, but a proto-nation, the people of God, the people of Israel, their forefathers. After Israel was persuaded by Judah to let Benjamin go, he both took responsible action and he appealed to God's mercy. He took precautions to seek a favorable result. He said, if you're going to go, bring this stuff with you. The pistachio nuts and a little honey and little almonds. Of course, it's probably a little because they didn't have a lot. This was a famine. So it was a pretty pricey gift to be giving them some of the fruits and the nuts of, of California. I mean, Canaan. And <laughs> sounds like the type of thing you'd find in California. But uh, these are, are good gifts. It's actually similar to the gifts the Ishmaelites were taking to Egypt. So there might be a little irony in that. Uh, but it's also similar to the gifts that Jacob, many years before, had sent on ahead to his brother Esau when he was trying to reconcile with a hostile brother. And now he uses a similar um, action to seek to pacify the governor of Egypt to turn aside his anger. So he takes responsible action. He also, at the same time, appeals to the mercy of God Almighty for them. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your older brother, your other brother, and Benjamin. And then he leaves the results in God's hands. As for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. It reminds me of how Queen Esther says, and if I perish, I perish. Uh, not necessarily an expression of despair, but of, of contented resolve, of leaving the consequences in the hands of God. He would do what he could to ensure a favorable result. He would rest upon the mercy of God and then relieve the consequences to his God and Father. So notice from Israel's actions that faith and action go together. He doesn't merely do one or the other. Like Israel, unite responsible actions that are within your power with faith in God's mercy, prayer to him, giving him success, uh, sorry, giving him thanks and praise for any success your actions bear, and contentedly resting upon him for the consequences once you have done what you can. This was also to teach the brothers that they were ought, ought to look to the mercy of God. As they were seeking mercy at the hands of the governor of Egypt, to not merely look to man, but to the mercy of God, that he would give them success in his eyes. Repentance 
is not only motivated by a true sight of your sin, but also the mercy of God in Christ. You might have hope and a reason to turn to God and not despair. So move forward in the right course, resting upon and praying for the mercy of God. So the brothers go down to Egypt. They bring their gifts and they come to Joseph, but uh, as soon as Joseph sees them, he sends a message to his, his steward to bring them to his house so they don't meet Joseph right away. Uh, they are brought to his home, and they are pretty fearful. This looks like a trap. This looks like an ambush. They're going to fall upon us because they're going to blame us for the money that was left in our bags. They're going to steal our donkeys. We're going to become his slaves in Egypt. Um, and so they uh, approach the steward, and our fourth, uh, they, they talk about the money that they had found, and offer it to him. We brought it back to you. Um, And the steward reassured them. He said God must have given them the money. Uh, And then he brought out Simeon to them and showed them hospitality. And then they prepare their present for Joseph. So at Joseph's house, the brothers demonstrated honesty and the absence of greed. Years earlier, they had taken money for Joseph. And they had lied to their father. They had demonstrated greed and dishonesty. But on this occasion, they offered up their money. They told the truth, and they sought to recover their brother Simeon, rather than trade their brother for the money. Uh, They sought to make things right. So learn, even if you have done something wrong on accident, do not wait until you are caught. Seek to make things right with honesty. If you think your brother has something against you, go and be reconciled to him, as Jesus said, seeking to make things right, to turn aside his anger. Likewise, not only do you have the brothers demonstrating change, but the steward pointing them to God and expressing Joseph's kindness to them. They could have set upon them in an ambush. You know, Joseph could have taken vengeance upon them, but no, he was directing the steward to prepare a feast. The steward seems like he knows what's going on. It's not normal for an Egyptian to give glory to foreign gods. Perhaps the steward had been converted through Joseph. Seems that he had some fear of God. In any case, the steward did what what Joseph wanted him to. And in a sense, God had, in fact, given the brothers this treasure. Of course, it was by the hand of Joseph himself. But Joseph did not take vengeance upon them. He aimed at eventual reconciliation with them. And so this is an example for you as well, to not seek vengeance upon those who have done you wrong, but to do good to those who persecute you, to forgive those who have sinned against you, to seek reconciliation with your brothers. Like I said last time, it's not always simple and easy. Joseph took a careful approach, step by step, uh, but he was look, and he was looking to see if his brothers had, had changed. Uh, But Joseph took this careful approach because he desired a full reconciliation with them. And what Joseph did was also a type of the mercy of God in Christ. Joseph prepared a feast for his brothers, so the father would slaughter the fattened calf for the prodigal son who returned. It's true that Jesus is a judge in the end for those who do not repent, yet Jesus holds himself forth as the bread of life to sinners. He prayed for the forgiveness of those who crucified him, and he sent the gospel to them after his ascension. He offers fellowship and eternal life to all those who repent and receive him. In the end, though, Joseph meets his brothers. He comes at 
noon to eat with them at his house. Joseph greeted them. He feasted with them. Notice another irony. They eat bread in his house. Verse 25, they heard they were going to eat bread together. What happened back in chapter 37 when Joseph had been thrown into the pit? They sat down to eat bread. Um, it doesn't actually use the bread, word bread in the ESV because bread can be used generically for food, but literally it's the same word. They sat down to eat bread, and now they hear they are going to eat bread in Joseph's house. He sat down now and, and ate in their presence. Imagine what this must have been like for Joseph, the memories it would have brought back. It's amazing he made it through the dinner without weeping the whole time. But Joseph was moved with compassion towards Benjamin. He showed undeserved kindness to his brothers, and he continued to test them. He asked them about their welfare. That's what he had been sent out originally to do. Remember when he was sent out by his father to check on their welfare? Well, he asks about their welfare now. They bowed down once again, as in the dream that Joseph had seen, and as Jacob had humbled himself before Esau in seeking reconciliation with him. Joseph saw Benjamin and blessed him and was overcome by the warmth of affection and compassion and had to hurry out and weep. We've seen weeping before at reunions of, of kinsmen like um, Jacob and Rachel or um, Jacob and Esau. Now Joseph and Benjamin. Well, they sit, they sit separately from Joseph and from the Egyptians, but they are seated before him, so in Joseph's presence, You can picture them in the same room at different tables, and the portions of food are brought to their table from Joseph's table. And they're seated in their age order, which is especially impressive, not only because there's so many of them, but because they were born within a period of about, what, seven years or something from multiple mothers. They were pretty close in age, and so it would have been a feat to accidentally do that. So they're amazed. They're seated according to their age order. And Benjamin's portion was five times as much as theirs. Uh, just a mile, imagine the pile of food there in front of Benjamin's. Some special favor, we might say, right? Benjamin was greatly favored as Joseph had been. Would the brothers be jealous of Benjamin? This was probably a test intentionally, given what follows the next chapter. But it was also likely an expression of Joseph's genuine affection for Benjamin. It would have been natural for Joseph to especially love Benjamin, not only because they had the same mother, but because no reconciliation was needed in this case. Benjamin had been an infant when he had been sold. He had not sinned against Joseph. Uh, He had had been quite young at the time. But it was a test as well. Well, what did the brothers do? Well, again, they, offer, they, they demonstrate change. They do not demonstrate envy towards Benjamin. Instead, what is it that said that they did? They feasted, they drank, and were merry with Joseph. The brothers did not grow bitter or quarrelsome. They drank and were merry. So, leave aside envy. Do not be grieved at the prosperity or the special favor that is shown to others. Do not envy the wicked, certainly, There's even less reason to to envy them, knowing their future and yours, at least if they continue in those ways. But do not envy your brother. I guess there's other reasons not to envy your brother. Your brothers, you should rejoice at the prosperity of one another. Does your brother, your younger brother, get five times as much as you? 
you know, maybe, sometimes. <laughs> uh, don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Rather, drink and be merry. I mean, of course, responsibly. But uh, you want to rejoice. Love, peace, and gratitude is the best seasoning for any meal. And look also to the kindness of Joseph. Imitate him. He spread out his food for the brothers who had once callously eaten food while he was starving in the pit. Look to the kindness of Jesus who feasts with us though we were once sinners and rebels against him. Unlike this situation, Jesus has made himself known to us and has us uh, to have fellowship with him, uh, to feast with him, and to look forward to a greater time and presence with him in time to come. Now, the test was not over. Joseph was setting them up for one more final test. If there was any envy towards Benjamin, it would become evident quite soon in the test of the next chapter. Uh, But they were on their way. They were on the right path, as we'll find out, a path of repentance and reconciliation. May you and I also bear fruit of repentance, looking to the mercy of God. And having received the mercy of God, let us show mercy and love to one another. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word and for your kindness and compassion toward us that against our deserts, uh, that though we did not deserve it and had deserved rather wrath and judgment, that you have welcomed us and sent your Son, who is not ashamed to call us brothers, uh, but to even to die for us as his friends. We pray that you would melt our hearts through this good news of salvation, that we might love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength to bear the fruits of true repentance unto life and to show mercy to one another. We pray that you would show this mercy to those who yet walk in darkness, that you would bring them to full reconciliation with yourself and therefore also with us in this fellowship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.